Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Yourself Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, we have special guest Tyler Brown. Tyler is the host of Wake Me Up, the best morning podcast around. It blends mindfulness, meditation, and motivation to help you get out of your bed and start your day positively. An ex-lawyer, a certified yoga teacher, and now a content creator. Wow. Well, thank you, Tyler, for being with us today. That's quite a resume you have, and I'm very curious to hear how you went from lawyer to content creator. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for the really wonderful introduction. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here. How did I go from being a lawyer to a content creator? Um, it's a long story. It sounds a lot prettier in hindsight than it did going through it. Um, but I, I was, uh, it kind of starts in, in my childhood. I was a huge band nerd growing up. And so I've always been a creative in that sense. Um, but, you know, because of just societal, social conditioning, I was, I guess, a little hesitant to, to really chase that. Uh, and so I leaned into you know, when I was looking at going to college and doing that, um, you know, that phase of life, I, I decided not to pursue music. Uh, I had kind of burnt out as a teenager and, it, you know, people had sort of guided me away from doing that for various reasons. Um, and so I was like, you know, being a 17, 18 year old, I was like, I like science. Like, let's all go be a doctor. I show very, very, I show very good conditioning, societal conditioning in my young years. Um, and so I went to college and started studying biology and I really do like science. I love science. Um, but I, didn't want to be a doctor. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be a doctor. It's not for me. So I changed my major and I sort of waffled around a little bit. And it, I, I don't really have a great explanation of how I ended up going to law school. Mm -hmm. Most of my friends were, um, you know, going to some sort of graduate school. I definitely wanted to go to graduate school. I enjoy school. I'm kind of one of those weird people that likes to learn and, and do that thing. And I was writing an honors thesis at the time. And my professor advisor was like, man, you gotta, you gotta, you're gonna go to grad school, right? You gotta do something. And I was like, yeah, I want to. I have no idea what I wanna do though. And from my, I, I studied exercise and sports science. That was my major. And from that, it was, you know, the options were you do physical therapy or you um, go sell tickets for some professional sports team. And I didn't want to do either of those. And so he was like, well, you're a really good writer. You, you know, you think analytically, why don't you go to law school? You can do a lot of different stuff with that. And I was like, okay, started looking at it. A couple of my other friends who, you know, I was close with and um, sort of felt like we were aligned in our paths in certain ways. We're going to law school. And so I kind of just ended up taking the LSAT and going to law school. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I did good in law school. I went and worked at a big law firm for a couple of years, very quickly realized it was not for me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had taken out student loans. I had 
put quite an investment of my life into doing this career. And so I wanted to give it a fair shot. And, and I did. Uh, I ended up practicing for about four years. I had a couple of different jobs. I worked in that big law firm. Um, I did all kinds of stuff, mergers and acquisitions, corporate litigation. For everyone listening, um, practicing law is not like the TV shows, just, just to dispel any, any thoughts you might have that that's a, an accurate uh, rendition of what it's like. That's not what it's like. Um, and there was a lot of things about being a lawyer that really just struck me the wrong way. Um, deep down in hindsight, I think it was really more the fact that everyone was really upset and angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some more practical things about the job that bothered me as well, but it was just a very hostile environment because people are fighting each other. You know, that's what the law is. People are in disputes and that's just really, I'm a drama free person in life. And that was just really not fitting for my personality. I was living in Los Angeles, um, for a few years. I had moved out there for a clerkship to work for a judge and, I got really into hot yoga Mm -hmm. and most of my friends in Los Angeles are from this yoga studio. And I ended up taking this yoga teacher training. One of my best friends was teaching it. And it was the first one she was doing. She was like, please, will you do this? It would really be helpful for me to like have some, some homies who I can like count on to tell me when I'm messing up and stuff. I was like, yeah, so I'll take it. Uh, I took it, uh, excuse me. And, um, yeah, it evacuated a lot of emotional stuff out of me that was just waiting in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, around this time, I had kind of been coming to the realization that, okay, I really don't think that I should be doing this profession anymore. And the, the yoga teacher training really solidified it for me. And it wasn't that I wanted to be a yoga teacher. It was just being so focused on something, being so focused on meditating and taking care of my body. I really, I realized that I had been hiding, pushing away a lot of the discomfort that I had on the day to day. Um, Which is again, what, what little boys in America are conditioned to do. I was just doing what I had been taught to do really. And I was doing it really well. (laughs) Um, But it, it wasn't sustainable. Um, and so I practiced for about six more months and maybe nine months from that point. And I just kind of quit. I didn't, I had no plan. I just knew that I couldn't keep doing this. And when I posted on social media or whatever, I'm not a huge social media person, but I wanted to tell people in my life, you know, more people hit me up in response to that, then I've ever been messaged on a birthday, on a holiday, on a graduate, anything. And, you know, the vast, vast majority of, of the responses were, were that people were miserable what they were doing with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And they admired just the courage to step out and be like, I'm not happy doing this. Uh, and I'm going to go find something else that makes me happy. And a lot of people I think are just really scared to do that. And I admit it's super scary. (laughs) It was very uncomfortable at the time, but, uh, I just knew that I'm either going to spend the next 70, whatever years of my life being miserable Mm -hmm. 
or I'm going to take a risk and try to figure it out. You know, there's plenty of people who have figured out way more complicated things than this in life. And so I just, you know, just kind of had to believe in myself and take the plunge. And um, yeah, I waffled around for a while. I taught myself random things like making websites and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and I ended up just kind of stumbling upon content creation. Um, I started making sleep content actually, mm. um, but I had always had this idea for morning content. And the more I got involved in the content world, I was noticing that nobody's really doing there's a lot of content to help you fall asleep, but there's not a lot of content to help you get out of bed. Right. Um, and that kind of makes sense to a certain degree. Not falling asleep is a really painful moment, right? When you're sitting there frustrated. Absolutely. Um, and the morning we tend to be a little bit less more, less motivated. Uh, but nonetheless, I had this idea because I would press my snooze button all the time. I'm the number, I did it this morning. I'm the number one guilty person. I am not perfect. <laughs> you got to own, you got to own your, your stuff. You know, uh, I was pressing this snooze button this, this morning. Um, but on the days when I am a little more disciplined and I do, uh, you know, sort of follow through on what I ideally would do with my mornings, man, my days are just so much better. You're in such a good mood. You have so much more energy. Um, when bad things get thrown at you, you just kind of like roll with them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's not rocket science on how to have a good morning. It's just a very simple routine. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's how I started my podcast. I that's love it. The, yeah. I applaud the bravery. And, you know, I can understand why so many people reached out to you in, in awe and honor of your courage, because most people are living life in such fear. They are so fearful. They are so attached to the stories, to the conditioning, to the programming, that they're incapable of taking action for themselves and really, truly getting into that alignment that allows them to thrive. Most people are waking up every day. They're in a state of survival. They're going through the motions like a zombie and they're not fulfilling their purpose of just being and allowing themselves to be as authentic as possible. So I truly honor you and appreciate you sharing that message with the audience because I'm sure there are a lot of people whom are listening right now that are teeter-tottering with this idea of I am so fucking miserable in my present <laughs> moment and I can't stand to move forward another day like this, but scared to death to take that first action towards doing whatever it is that they desire. I myself, I'm an explorer archetype. And so as the explorer, I'm constantly challenging, challenging myself to get out of my comfort zone. And there's been so many monumental moments in my life where I had to, you know, step into that, oh shit, am I going to do it? <laughs> I was, I was originally a person who really, really resisted change. I hated change. Mm. Even if it meant like, I still have the same bank account that I had when I, I still have the same <laughs> bank account that Your I childhood. started at 16 years old and I'm 45 now. Like, what the fuck? Who does that? And it's so funny because when I made this big, huge choice to move out to California from the Midwest, everyone was like, 
you're an idiot. What are you thinking? How are you going to go from the Midwest to living in the most expensive state in the U.S. and not having a plan? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I don't care. I just have this internal drive. It's calling me and I don't want to spend the rest of my life going, what, what, wonder what it could have been like. You know, I'd rather much fail, fall on my face. I know I can always go back. And so as a society, it's a shame. Earlier when you were telling your story and you were, you know, talking about being this band geek and that music <laughs> was, you know, the thing that really drew, drew, uh, lit your soul on fire. It's so sad because children get conditioned so early to sway away from the creatives, from those creative yep. activities. But, you know, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be all of those things. And of course, what did I hear all the time? You'll be broke the rest of your yep. life. Yep. You know, so it's always just driving the fear and not allowing young adults, adolescents, children to really explore the things that ignite their soul on fire. You, you're absolutely right. I, and in fact, the moment that's the, I had sort of burnt out on music. I, that's a tendency I have is to go way too hard at something. But um, I had a moment that sticks out vividly in my memory of the exact same thing. Someone who, you know, like a, a parent, not my parent, but they had kids my age, another parent that went to my church and they were like, Ty, what are you, you know, what are you interested in, in studying in college? You're kind of like 16, 17 or whatever age I was like, what are you thinking? And I was like, I, I want to play music. And their response was dead face. You'll never make any money doing that. Yep. And, you know, now as an adult, I would <laughs> mad respect for that person, but as they're not someone I would take life advice from. Uh, but when you're, when you're a teenager, you don't know, you don't have right. the wherewithal to, to filter that. And it really is sad. I mean, you hit on so many fantastic things just then, but I think you're absolutely right that a lot of people are just sitting around in survival mode and they're really miserable. And they're and, dying. They're dying. They're, they're dying on the inside. And, and look, I mean, the, the ultimate realization for me was I can spend my entire life doing something that I don't really enjoy. I'll have plenty of money. I'll never struggle for anything except happiness. Mm -hmm. And the moments when I would really enjoy happiness, money wasn't involved. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of just was like, well, why don't, so why am I spending all of my time for something, i.e. money, that's not really doing anything for me. I don't even get to spend this money in a way that I want to because I spend all my time working. Right. So, yeah. And, and look, the, uh, the there's a flip side of this too, which is some people, you know, for me, I'm like you, like I want to move, I want to explore, I want to do new things. Like I'll have multiple careers in my life. And that's uh -huh. something I've learned about myself. Some people don't want that. And that's cool. The, mo the important thing is you figure out what is right for you. Mm -hmm. And it's not, Sometimes it's not what your parents want for you. Sometimes it's not what your culture has told you to do. Sometimes it is. But most importantly, you need to make that determination for yourself. And once right. you do that, then it's okay. Do whatever you want to do. You can make money doing literally anything, especially absolutely. now. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, I feel like we are conditioned to 
really become enslaved to mm. the systems. And so we use monetary means as the, like the end goal. I just got to get yeah. the house. I got to get the car. I got to get the degree. I, similar to you, am in so much debt from student loans. Mm. You know, I, I look at those student loans and I'm like, yep, someday. Someday. <laughs> Someday, but it was really funny because when I when I went to sign the the paperwork for those student loans, the one question I asked was, in the event I die, are my children responsible for this? And they said no. And I went, all right. All right, all right. we're good. Because the last thing I wanted to do was leave them a debt of all of this ridiculous amount of student loans for a very um conditioned education that was extremely biased. But I knew I had to jump through those hoops, unfortunately, in order to yeah. get where I wanted to go. And, and I'm very grateful that I did. Um, I disagree with a lot of the things that were taught. I see how big pharma and, you know, just conventional medicine in general really um, influences what is taught in the health and wellness world what you know pre-med basically so yeah. i became a registered dietitian nutritionist and when i went into it i knew that i was going to be bombarded with biased information that was in my opinion really contributing to a lot of the problems that we have here in the united states when it comes to our health and wellness yeah. And then you combine that with this idea that, you know, it's all about what you have. So people are really set up for failure from the get-go. And in my opinion, I think that this is why society is so drawn to quick fixes, that band-aid mm. approach, you know, we're so time-pressed. We, we don't have enough time to fill our own cup. And we're miserable doing our everyday life. So we're just literally grasping for straws, anything that we can yeah. pull in to try and give us a temporary fix. And it's it's really a shame because ultimately most people are literally just in survival mode and they resent everything about their life. Hitting the snooze button in the morning because the last thing they want to do is have to get through their miserable day. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it is too bad. I think, I, I don't know what education is like now. Um, you know, I'm in my thirties, but what, I don't think it's changed much since when you, probably either you or I went through primary school, but education is, is at least in America is for you to be in a work is to be a worker. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not for you to think critically, mm -hmm. think for yourself make your own, you know, gather your own information and make yeah. your own decisions. I really don't feel like I learned that skill until the last year of college and in law school. Right. And that's really unfortunate. I mean, you know, that's a higher level thinking and you don't need to teach that in first grade, but right. um, I think that's, that should be the point of education. It's like how to function as a, as a rational adult. Absolutely. So when you know. I, I, you know, I can tell you that when I went through my grad, my grad program, the thing that I walked away was like, all right, I've become a professional researcher of only one, a one-sided story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the information that you have access to is extremely biased. And 
most Americans don't realize, you know, that the funding of the research is coming from special interest groups and this should be completely illegal. This is just, it's so, it's rampant among every industry in our society, unfortunately. And people will sit there and argue themselves till they're blue with their opinion versus someone else's opinion. I know you know this firsthand as a lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) It's a a very shady, shady place out there. Yeah, it's too bad. We're in a weird place in humanity's (laughs) growth process um, where information is really, is, is a tool of... Uh, what's the right word? You know, like science is a good example. Like back in the day, nobody was funding science. You know, a thousand years ago, nobody was funding science. There was there was no money to be made. Right. That that's not that's not how you made money. Exactly. Now there's money to be made in it, and um, it's the, as soon as money gets involved. I'm not saying money is inherently a bad thing. It's just that humans we don't know how to regulate ourselves. Um, once money gets involved, there tends to be a loss of this purity. You know, mm-hmm. people were studying the stars, were studying the human body out of, out of pure interest to try to make their lives and the lives of their family, their friends better. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm certainly not saying that there are not people who do that these days. There absolutely are many of them, but uh, there's plenty of people who are monetary focused only. Mm-hmm. And that's sad, especially with something that comes to like human health. Um, right. And look, answers, the answers in life are not black and white. Science isn't black and white either. Mm-hmm. Most of what we have to do in life is operate in the gray area. And that's why it's so important that we learn in, in early education critical thinking because right. everyone has to make these decisions for themselves. Everyone's health situation or life circumstances or financial constraints, whatever the, you know, decision frame you're in, everyone's circumstances are different. And it's really useful to get information and advice from others. But when it comes down to it, you have to make the decision for yourself. And if, if you're not okay with the decisions you're making for yourself, then that's really going to cause some, some internal guilt that you're going to have to deal with later, you know, Uh, you're compounding your problems at that point. Yeah. And and I think that the last two years that we have had to endure really is a a good example of how that has been a prevalent problem for so many. They haven't had the ability to use their own discernment and their decision-making. They've been heavily influenced either one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And while all the, you know, during that process, they're not acting in alignment with what their gut and their inner voice is truly telling them. And that's where that guilt and shame, what was that? A light just fell in my room. Yeah. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me. I'm sorry. We Everything must be is fine. Speaking yes. a lot of truth. Everything is fine. Yes. We must be <laughs> speaking a lot of truth. I love it. The energies are crazy right now, man. That's a oh my gosh. Love it. <laughs> yeah. No. The, there's definitely. I will say that I am not. Um, I am not at the forefront of thought on astrology. I'm definitely not ahead of the curve, but. You got to admit, there's definitely some weird things yeah. that happen with, I don't know if it's 
the earth in general or just humanity, we have some sort of um, similar plane of thinking. I mean, we're all very interconnected, but there are some weird, weird shifts going on uh, on our species as a whole right now. And I hope we can all just like, yeah, I I agree. We are definitely in an evolutionary paradigm shift. And yes. the collectious con- the collective consciousness is is just really erratic right now. Yeah. And again, it goes back to that, you know, it's either black or it's white. And, and we're not having the ability to come into that shade of gray and have respect for one another's opinions and discernment and belief systems. Yeah. And it's really sad. And, and it's even sadder to see how media is playing such a role in this. Yeah. And really programming and conditioning people to be on one side or the other. So I pray for us. I, I pray that we will somehow, some way be able to get through this in a peaceful manner. Um, intuitively, I feel that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. But, you know. Hey guys, I'm going to interrupt this episode for a really brief message and to introduce you to today's amazing podcast sponsors, Waveblock. If you know me, you know that I am all about reducing toxicity. And to be perfectly honest with you, this whole 5G thing has got me a little freaked out. Did you know that your phone and AirPods emit radiation? According to the CDC, your phone uses radio frequency radiation to transmit its signal. This cloud of radiation just sits outside your brain the entire time you're using your phone or on your AirPods. If you listen to podcasts, talk on your phone, do Zoom calls all day, that exposure really starts to add up. The frequencies from your phone actually pass through your brain, which is really scary and can cause negative effects like headaches, foggy brain, fatigue, and other issues. I love using my WaveBlock EMF protective stickers for my phone and AirPods to direct these harmful frequencies away from my body and my brain. WaveBlock's accredited lab-tested line of products helps significantly reduce the amount of radiation you are getting exposed to with their easy-to-apply EMF blocking stickers. They have protection for AirPods, AirPod Pros, and all of the recent iPhone models. These stickers don't interfere with anything, so you can still use your phone case or whatever it is that you like. They just offer all-day protection. Make sure you head to waveblock.com and take advantage of a 20% discount using the code HEATHER. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes for easy access. So make sure you head to waveblock.com to get your 20% off discount and use the code HEATHER. Alas, you know what? We are so soft these days. Uh, people like a hundred years ago, <laughs> I was just, I've been, I'm like a nerd. I was watching documentary, a couple documentaries about um, like Nikola Tesla and like mm-hmm. inventors and stuff. And he didn't live that long ago. It's like a, he lived around the turn of, you know, 1800s to 1900s. And right. they didn't, he invented like electricity, like common electricity. Right. People didn't heat their, like, you didn't have a heater. You had to, like, chop all your firewood and burn a fire all day. And it was only warm around your fireplace. So with all the problems we have, I try to constantly remind myself, especially on my show, I'm like, I remind people this all the time. Like, you have hella problems. I get it. Me too. 
you know, keep fighting, but don't forget, like, we're really soft. Our problems are really small. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a feeling, I don't know, I, I with everything that's happening, I, I think that people are going to have to toughen up. We're going to have to get back to basics. Where we're currently yeah. at in our, you know, society, it's not working. And we're seeing the repercussions of that daily. I woke up, I can't remember what day it was. It might've been Sunday and there was a tsunami warning in California. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> we are not supposed to get tsunamis here. Apparently it was pretty rough winds and, and waves up North in Southern California. We didn't yeah. really experience a whole lot, but it just made me sit back and go, hmm. Yeah. Things are shifting. Yeah. Well, at some point, you know, it's been quiet for a long time, I suppose, but at some point there's a huge fault line right off California. Yeah. And that'll be a big tsunami when that happens. I hope it's yeah. not, uh, I hope we're prepared for it. Nobody yeah. gets hurt. I'll tell you when I moved to California and experienced my first earthquake, it did elicit fear it's and weird. it made me realize how unprepared I was at the time I was living on a fourth story in a four story like apartment complex that was relatively new. It was only two years old. So the way that they designed it was to make it flow. Yeah. I was unaware of that. Standing in the middle of the door frame going, <laughs> I'm just flowing here going, is this right? <laughs> like, is this what's supposed to happen? Yeah. It was really wild. And then after it calmed down, just the panic within me of like, now what? What do I do now? What do I do, right. now? <laughs> do, I do now? Is this safe? Like, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that, that really made me realize how uh, weak, weak I was in many ways and needed to toughen up and prepare for the unexpected at any moment. It really is so much what you're familiar with, right? Like I grew up, I'm, I live in North Carolina. I grew up here, uh -huh. but I moved around, you know, I lived in LA. Here we have hurricanes like hurricanes are just kind of you deal with it mm -hmm. and we don't have them like Florida does but we get a hurricane or a tropical storm every year um and when I moved to LA I had the same experience with earthquakes I woke up one morning and I I, I sleep super hard it's a hashtag blessed in that regard but I woke up and I was like why is all my shit off the walls and like my, I had picked, like a picture had fallen and broken. Of course I hadn't woken up. I don't know how I didn't wake up for that, but I was so confused. And it took me like 30 minutes to wow. realize, oh, it was an earthquake. Duh. Wow. Oh my gosh. And now, you know, I'm back here in North Carolina and there's a, everybody and their grandmother is moving to North Carolina right now. And like, we've got I people from Florida, it's super popular. It's a don't come it's state. a terrible place just <laughs> nobody should move here you know it's just i would not consider it very low well, on the list everyone's <laughs> fleeing from california they are fleeing i, I just saw another u-haul report that again for 2021 california had the most people exiting and one way coming in yeah one way u-hauls and, yeah. and newsom just announced that he plans to double our tax rate to start some new social programs so we'll see how well that goes over. Yeah. That'll definitely be a determining factor in, in my presence here in the state. I get that. I was definitely part of that. I'm part of the uh, California flight. Mm -hmm. It was um, 
I mean, a my career change was was the major factor, but when they were a fire, like the Ventura, was it the Ventura? I forget all the names, but there was the fire right north of LA. Like all of those famous people's homes and stuff mm-hmm. got burnt. Again, it's what you're used to. I was not used to the sky being lit up red like that. And like, right. it's frightening. And like, you know, smoke in the air, you're coughing and oh yeah. No, yeah, no, no. It's, it's pretty miserable. It, yeah, it's definitely frightening. I was up in Northern California right after the um, Paradise Fire happened. Mm. And I was up there for three months on a contract. And it was really crazy because suit was still like the sut was still coming yeah. down months after the oh. fact. It was insane. It was just absolutely insanity. Yeah. So lots of diversion there. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was it. I grew up in the Midwest. And so the things that I was prepared for were things like tornadoes, tornadoes. And ice storms and heavy snows, super, super, um, you know, uh, like heat waves, though, kind of a plethora of things, but earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis, not so much. Yeah. Not so yeah. Much. To bring it back around again, it's just like, what are you used to getting out of your comfort zone? Like, mm-hmm. you know, natural disasters is a good example you can't really understand other people until you understand the life they have and the issues that they go through and what they face and so i mean i can't recommend moving somewhere else for at least a year or two it's such a valuable experience Mm -hmm. somewhere far far away Mm -hmm. and experiencing a different culture seeing different ways of life recognizing that some of the things that you do in life and that you've been trained to having your routine or ways you think like maybe aren't the best way to do it there's there's an infinite amount of ways to do life and to me it's just like an endless experiment can Mm -hmm. I push this button okay what happens when I do that oh this messes up maybe I shouldn't do that what if I push these two buttons together you know it's but we're not encouraged to do that we're not encouraged to explore and to experiment. I love to experiment. I am, I'm literally a walking experiment. I use myself <laughs> in the name of research on a daily basis and I'm proud to do so. But, you know, taking it back to what you're saying about how we have to um, explore and, and subject ourselves to other things. I got married to an Italian who mm. is from Italy And I didn't realize the true cultural differences that we had until after we moved in together and we really were living together. And and it's just really opened my eyes immensely to the conditioning that we have here in the United States. You know, for him, he works three days a week and that's it. And he likes to take three to six month long holidays. And when he is proposing these ideas to me initially, I'm thinking, yeah, we'll see about that. Right. Uh, yeah. And the whole time my heart sounds great pattering going, what the fuck? I can't <laughs> three to six months off. Are you insane? And then I have to step back and ask myself, says who? Who says that? Where did right. this come from? Why do I believe this? Oh, it's conditioning. It's because I never got to see my mother and father take an extended vacation. They were lucky if they got an entire week off. Typically, if my parents did get a vacation, my mom was literally tethered to a computer 
working while we were supposed to be exploring, you know, and she was a bitch. She wasn't able to enjoy herself. And so I interpreted that as what's the point? Might as well just keep working. No sense in taking a vacation, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I am. I'm very grateful for the work-life balance that I have now. And I do think that the move towards being able to work remotely is good overall, but the risk is in what you just described, which is that there now exists the ability to always be connected. Whereas when you left work before, even really not a long time ago, 20, 30 years ago, there was no internet. I mean, they could call you, they could call your home phone you know, you're like wall phone. Like you remember yeah. those when oh, you had I... like a phone with a cord and you like, yeah, in like elementary school, middle school, you like had your little boyfriend, girlfriend, you had, had to share the phone and then your oh, mom yeah. might pick up the phone and embarrass you. You know, funny, funny oh, little story gosh. real quick. I have to share about that. About a week ago, I needed to get a hold of my mother, kept calling her cell phone. She wasn't answering. So I was like, I'll call the home number, right. dial my old phone number and this phone number has been disconnected. My heart almost broke. I was oh, like, no. oh, what? Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. So when <laughs> I did finally get a hold of my mom, I was like, you got rid of the home phone? I was like, mom, that is the only number I know by heart. Like oh, in the God. event of an emergency, whom am I supposed to call? <laughs> I don't even know my own daughters, my, even my husband's. I'm like, this is frightening. Yeah. And my mom started laughing and she goes, Heather, we did that like almost three years ago. I was wow. like, okay, that puts perspective to things. <laughs> right. <laughs> the end of an yeah. era. Yeah, definitely. But no, you're so right. We we are so, so connected. And it really does make challenges with our ability to create that natural circadian rhythm that allows the body to get into flow and align itself with nature and the natural processes in which we were meant to exist. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like distraction, you know, I mean, like, look, I have this right here, right within reach. And I usually don't. um, But I worry about like, I know my ability to stay focused is limited when my phone is near me or when I'm connected to the internet or I have multiple tap, you know, and like again I remember as a kid I didn't have that experience Mm -hmm. you know even even early days of the internet was like you there was only one there weren't tabs there was it wasn't a plural tabs it was one tab you did one thing on the internet at a time and that's why I think there's this massive resurgence of mindfulness and meditation I mean shows like mine um you know, you've got Headspace, Calm, all these huge, huge companies around it because for, for all of humanity's existence until the past 10 years, distraction has been very limited. Mm-hmm. It's been emergency type situations that would distract you or pull you away from something that you were already doing. Whereas now distractions are plenty. You have more distractions than you have things to do. Right. And so we're slowly like losing the 
we're, we're not losing the ability. The ability is still there. It's just that our surroundings are changing faster than our skills mm -hmm. to deal with our surroundings are. And so this need to practice focusing, which people didn't do that before. That wasn't, you didn't, you just did, you did what you were doing and that was yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but now we have to practice it because yeah, you have all these things trying to pull at you. Um, we really have to reteach ourselves how to be. We've become yeah. so addicted to stimulation that we don't know how to not be in a constant state of chaos. Yeah. And our nervous systems have been so wired to constantly be in that fight or flight. And it's coming at the expense of our mental and physical well-being. And so we literally are at a pivotal point where we have to prioritize and emphasize the importance of taking a step back, creating that space and allowing ourselves just to be. I have a, a you know, a, a truth moment that I'll share with you guys. Um, I've been really struggling with street, with sleep, getting appropriate sleep, having difficulty with sleeping at night. I personally feel that a lot of it has to do with 5G and how they've rolled out 5G over the last several months. And so I decided that I was going to remove all technology from my room to see if this was going to impact my brain waves and allow for me to have a better, more restful night's sleep. I have an aura ring. I'm a data geek. I literally <laughs> measure everything. And so in my room, I had this little technology tower. It was like a little plug where I charged my lumen, charged my aura ring, had my cell phone and my iPods, only technical devices in my room, had Shungite positioned all around it to try and block the EMFs, <laughs> but it's right next to my brain. You know, it's just a matter of less than two feet from where my head sleeps on the pillow mm. on that nightstand. So the first night that I choose to make this decision that it's got to come out of the bedroom, the panic and anxiety I felt about not having my phone within grasp reach was debilitating, <sighs> debilitating. And that's when I realized like, oh my God, this is pathetic. Like yeah. absolutely pathetic. How have I become so conditioned to feel dependent on this thing being next to me at all times? That that's not okay. It's okay. not okay. And ironically enough, by removing the phone, by removing the electronics from my room, I have had the most deep sleep that I have had in absolute months. I'm talking wow. months. And so for me, that was the solidifying fact of detaching, letting go of the dependence of having that sucker. And it's been just an absolute immense improvement. Most people don't realize that when we go into that deep sleep cycle, which our window of opportunity is from 10 o'clock at night to 2 a.m., mm -hmm. that when we're in that deep sleep, that's when we have the ability to release growth hormones so that we can actually regenerate cells, heal muscle tissue, heal organ function, build hormones, all of the amazing things that we need to thrive throughout our life. And most people aren't getting to bed until two o'clock in the morning thinking that they can make that up and they can't.
So it's, you know, really fascinating how conditioned we've become to get out of those circadian rhythms and don't recognize the real price that we're paying when it comes to our overall health at longevity and vitality. Yeah, I, uh, I have a couple of things to add to that. The first is I've, I will try to find this study for you, but I, I've seen a study sometime in the past couple of years where the placement of your cellular, cellular device within eyesight mm-hmm. actually increases uh, your rate of distraction, which is like the frequency at which you're distracted from your point of focus, mm-hmm. just having it in sight. So I'm sure that, you know, I, I don't know if they've done studies about having it in your room while you sleep, mm-hmm. but there's definitely something to be said about like just drawing a line mentally and being like, you know, a line in the sand, it's very figurative line, like, nope, it's over there. It's out of sight. It's out of mind. This is what I'm doing right now. Sleeping work, you know, whatever it is, working out, working. Um, The other thing I'll say is I'm like the, I I make more sleep content probably than anyone else in the world. So if you ever have uh, issues sleeping again, make sure you send me a message because bedtime stories, meditations, soundscapes, whatever you need. Yeah. Love it. I love it. It's funny because when I, when I, I used to sleep really well. And then when my husband and and I moved in together, I always needed some white noise to distract Mm. me to fall asleep. And he needs absolute silence and can sleep with lights on. (laughs) So this was a massive, massive transition for me. And it's funny because when I, when I think back to like, how did I get to this place where I have become so dependent on needing the white noise in order to get a restful night's sleep? Well, when I trace it back, I, as early as the age of eight had an immense amount of responsibility with my younger siblings. And so both of my parents worked nights and we would have a babysitter that came until about 10 PM and then she would go home. And so from 10 o'clock until six in the morning, I was the adult. I had to be the responsible party and my room was in the basement. So I was scared to death to fall asleep in the event that one of my brothers woke up crying and needing something. I was so scared that something bad would happen and then I would be responsible for it. So it literally trained me to sleep with one eye open and one ear open. So unfortunately for me, I would not be able to sleep through an earthquake. You are so fortunate to have not had to elicit the stress response from waking up to all of the shaking. Um, I, on the other hand, would have probably been a nervous wreck, but that's where it stemmed from. And from, you know, eight years old until probably somewhere in my mid thirties, I really did not sleep well. And every little noise woke me up while my children were young, all that. And so I really realized I need some sort of distraction to help me sleep. I can't sleep with the TV on. I can't sleep with lights on or any of those things. I needed that white noise. And then we get married and uh, noise goes out the window. And I'm like (laughs) sitting there in silence. And I'm like, I can hear the crickets. I can hear the trees blowing. So it's been, it's been a transition to say the least. Yeah. I love that sound of crickets. That's like, oh man, 
that just makes me feel so warm and cozy crickets oh. outside the window but the one thing I've learned making a lot of sleep content is everyone's got their own taste everyone mm -hmm. wants something a little bit different and that's all good you know you should you should have whatever works for you it is funny though how like you pointed out how this sort of came from a thread from your childhood like mm -hmm. whether it's sleep whether it's you know whatever we have these little habits that are like these little threads that just kind of like weave their way through life and you'll carry them through multiple phases. Maybe you're lucky enough where one just kind of falls off on its own, mm -hmm. but most of the time that's not the case. Right. And it's, it's really only once you're faced with a situation where you need to reassess why you have this habit, where you, where we often are like, where did this even come from anyways? And then you're like, oh, and it opens like Pandora's box on like a whole set of issues surrounding you. are like, that's why I do this and that and this too. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. And unfortunately, yes. when we get to that place where we start realizing a lot of times we bring judgment and criticism into the picture and that elicits the shame and guilt. And then we stay stuck, you know, Not helpful. Move forward. No, no. And so First, having awareness, letting go of the attachment to the judgment and criticism that we've been conditioned to have are such necessary steps in being able to change behavior. Yeah. If we don't approach it from that perspective, we are literally shooting ourselves in the foot over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I love the metaphor of driving with the emergency brake on because we're all doing it. Everybody's doing it. We all have blind spots. Uh -huh. And you know what? Like, give yourself a pat on the back. You made it this fucking far with the emergency brake on. Right. Right. So if you're lucky enough to realize that you're still driving with it on in one way or another, like laugh, just laugh. It's funny. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. you've made, you're still alive. You're still cruising, but un unlatch that emergency brake and go forward at a much higher rate now. And Absolutely. you'll be free and you'll be flying and you know, it's just one of those things you got to laugh because we've all got it. Absolutely. I, I serve a population that is um, predominantly mental health and substance abuse recovery. Mm -hmm. yep. And I, you know, in these, in these settings and working with these individuals, I see so much how they don't have the ability to forgive themselves for yeah. what have, you know, for where they're at in that present moment. And unfortunately, because of that, it contributes to them relapsing and yeah. coming back over and over and over again. And so one of the things that I always educate on is that like, look, you've, you've developed coping skills in your life to survive up to this point. You were unaware that that's what this was. And now that you have awareness, we have to let go of that shame and guilt that we're harboring for all of the previous choices we've made that have brought us to our current state. And if you can't choose that for yourself, you're not going to move forward. You're going to continue to recycle through the same behavioral patterns over and over and over and what most people don't realize is that every choice we make, every behavior we have, it's serving a purpose. Oh, yeah. It doesn't know good or bad. It's serving a purpose. And so we've been so conditioned to judge and criticize one another for our choices, for our actions. 
that we get so attached to that and we don't know how to let it go. And it keeps us from being able to truly have forgiveness for ourselves and forgiveness for others. And so I really love what you do with, you know, prioritizing mindfulness because that's the first step in forgiveness. We have to have awareness. We have to be, we have to get in that discomfort zone that um, most of us resist sitting still and just listening. Yeah. yeah. So for the listener out there right now, whom the thought of mindfulness makes <laughs> them want to vomit. Yeah. What tips do you have for that person who really isn't resistant to getting started or doesn't know where to start or is super anxious? They're ready. They want to get started. Yeah. What do you suggest? I would say the first well, not the first thing, but what you need to do is figure out what works for you. I approach mindfulness very much like I would recommend people approach exercise. Not everyone wants to go to the gym and get jacked. Mm -hmm. Not everyone wants to run not marathons. Me. Yeah. Not everyone wants to go, uh, you know, hop on a Peloton. It's all good. You mm -hmm. need to find what works for you. And to do that, you need to try different stuff. And so be okay with the first couple of things you try, you don't really like. Once you get four, five, six, 10 different, different kinds of experiences, you'll learn what you enjoy and what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I can speak from personal experience that once you find one area that works for you and you start to explore it and you kind of, you know, figure out everything you, you have to learn in that realm, at least, you know, in, in the first um level experience you know the first round of it the door will open in other areas you'll see you'll want to come back to those other things you try to be like okay now i get what this was about i should come back and try that and it, you'll now enjoy that new thing mm -hmm. um so first of all don't limit yourself try stuff like we were saying experiment it's an experiment it's yeah. all good you're gonna hate some of it right. all good right. i try stuff still and i hate it it's yeah. all good. Um, doesn't mean the people who like it are bad people. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means it doesn't work for you. Right. So try stuff out. Second of all, the point of mindfulness is not like med people ask me this all the time about meditation specifically. It's like, they're like, quiet your mind. I'm like, your mind is not meant to be quiet. It's not what it does. Your mind is meant to think. That is literally what the mind is designed to do. Would you tell your heart to stop beating? Right. Hopefully not, right? Because that's its job. The point of mindfulness and meditation is to come to understand your thoughts a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, recognize that they really are just kind of electrical firings of the brain. Um, and that there's something really beautiful about that. And yes, you can control them to a degree. But that control is most certainly not absolute. We all have thoughts where we're like, the fuck did I, what, is that a thought I just had? Right? And then you like, there's this weird sense of like guilt about it. We're like, but I'm like a good person. I shouldn't, I don't think stuff like that. And we're just like, right. well, it's okay. Just because you had the, just because that wire fired doesn't mean you're taking action on it. Right. Um, so learning to be okay with, the thoughts in your head, I would say is number two. And um, three, surround yourself with people 
who engage, doesn't have to be in the same kind of mindfulness practice, but are engaged in some kind of, you know, being a mindful person, so to speak. Um, and the reason that's important is because you're going to expose yourself to new ways of thinking and approaching this, which that's the whole point of mindfulness is to approach your ways of thinking and, and new, see it from a new light. Um, and you're going to be pulled more into healthy relationships, people who support you um, doing the things that you need to do for self-care and stuff like that. And this, it's all, it's, it, it's a, it's an exponential curve. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so many people are, are afraid of, of it. Like, you know, they're, if, you know, say you like to go for walks in nature, or whatever, like that's something I really like to do, but people don't want to do that alone mm-hmm. because then they're stuck with their own thoughts and they're an anxious person, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and well, I understand that I, you know, it's being in an uncomfortable thought pattern is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but if you don't sit there and face that and massage out that voice a little bit it has to speak let it just let it talk mm-hmm. because once it's done talking and it might talk for a while we all know talkative people we've all got a talkative voice in our brain sometimes it's all good but let that just like us sometimes we just need to vent yeah. you just need to get it off your chest you know mm-hmm. and letting it's like combing out tangled hair just mm-hmm. let it massage out you know you're not going to get it on the first comb it takes a hundred. Sometimes it takes a thousand. It's all good. Patience, patience, patience. If you can't be patient for yourself to get better then, um, yeah, I mean, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Those are some fabulous, fabulous tips. I, I really like the perspective that you approach mindfulness from. I think that it's very realistic and relatable to a lot of the people listening myself included. Um, I really struggled with incorporating mindful activities into my life. I did all of the things that everyone suggested I do with a lot of resistance. And what I ended up discovering is that for me, play is my favorite mindfulness, getting creative, being playful, allowing myself to be the child that I was not able to be at eight years old with so much responsibility. And in the process of that, it it allows for me to reparent myself to honor that inner child that experienced all of the, you know, um, disappointment. And because of that, I never want to grow up. I refuse to grow up. I'm like, I am going to be a child forever. And that's one thing that I truly appreciate about my husband is that he doesn't try to, um, take that away from me. He, he encourages me to be as child, you know, childlike as I want to, I'll get the hula hoop out and I'll be hula hooping in the living room in the morning, you know, listening to some crazy music. And he walks down and he's like, do you homie? (laughs) I love it. So I, yeah. So again, you know, it's really important to find that community, find those relationships that allow you to just authentically express yourself so that you can truly be in the present moment and embrace it for all that it is. We're, we're constantly searching for that life purpose. We think that life purpose is some grand exit point that we get to. And the reality is, is that purpose is just in the being. 
And if yeah. we just be, we're already living our purpose every single day. And yep. it's enhancing our well, our health and our well-being on a continuous base, you know, continuous base. So beautiful yeah. things. Well, Tyler, I truly have enjoyed having the opportunity to chat with you today. We've talked about a lot of really great things that I think that the audience can connect with. I encourage all of the listeners to check out his podcast, Wake Me Up. I think that, you know, um, being able to really take control of the morning is going to have so many benefits. What we digest, you know, in terms of information can be so, so powerful. So I honor what you do. I honor your bravery and your courage to hmm. carve out your own path and get out of break the societal conditioning of what you're supposed to be. It's just beautiful. And I honor you for doing so. So thank you. Thank you. That was very kind. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. It has been fun. Well, I will make sure to, um, attach all of your information in the show notes. So it makes it very diff or very difficult, very challenging. Make it as hard as possible. <laughs> That's censorship right now, not me. <laughs> so how can the audience find you? Yeah, they can go to my website. It's wakemeuppodcast.com. You can find me on Instagram, wake me up podcast. I started getting on TikTok. Ooh. I know I'm like, Hey, you were talking about playing, keeping yourself young. I'm like, well, here we go. I'm about to do this. Um, again, wake me up podcast. But yeah, you know, most importantly, don't read the news in the morning. Don't scroll through whatever social media app. Like, look, again, I'm guilty of it. We all, we all have our flaws, but put something positive in your brain first thing in the morning. Even if you don't have to listen to me, listen to, you know, write something that you're happy about in your life. Um, because it really does make a huge difference. So that's all I'd say. Well, thank you so much for your knowledge and all of your wisdom. We truly appreciate it and sending you lots of love and blessings in your future endeavors. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.